Welcome to JBL's Everything Audio podcast powered by Headliner Radio, where each month we'll be talking to Harman Pro industry leaders about their speciality within the organization and how Harman is continuing to innovate with its range of products across the music and live performance spaces. Today we're welcoming Daniel Reed onto the podcast, who's the Production Application Support Specialist, Production Audio at Harman Professional Solutions, and in a past life was a front of house engineer for artists including The Kid Leroy, Avril Lavigne, Fifth Harmony and Five Seconds of Summer. He's just wrapped up weekend one of Coachella, which is headlined this year by Bad Bunny, Blackpink and Frank Ocean, so we're catching him in between weekends at the moment. Thank you so much for joining today in between these Coachella sets, Daniel. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining. And um, well, let's start with, I know you've just been at Coachella weekend one. So how was that for you? How's that been so far? Coachella has been amazing. We've had the ability to come out there and support Rat Sound. And we are on the Gobi stage and it's been awesome. We're in a sea of different products uh, at the festival. And for us to be able to have JBL on on one of the stages there has been huge. And all the feedback from all the front of house engineers has been super positive. It's been a really great experience in terms of getting to connect with other engineers, getting to hear other people mix um, and get the variety of music genres that come through each stage every single day it's so vastly different from show to show and getting these broader audiences exposure to uh jbl's products and um you know putting more of a uh more faces from from us on the uh, manufacturing side that's fantastic chair and what better platform than coachella to raise the profile of these products right I'd love to hear a bit more about how you wound up at Harman. So how long have you been the production application support specialist for production audio at Harman? Uh, just finishing up two months now. So I'm still brand new over at, uh, over at JBL and Harman. Um, I got started there because I was a full-time touring front of house engineer, monitor engineer, production manager. And on my most recent tours, um, I was working with an artist that did a few JBL events and um, they had some contacts within Harman and there was some demonstrations that Harman was doing for their newest products that I wanted to come and check out. And I wanted to get to know some of the people over at JBL. I've always loved using their systems and I hadn't had a chance to really get to know anybody over there yet. And so when the opportunity presented itself, I, I took it, I took a jump at it and it worked out great because uh, everyone was so nice, so great to work with, easy to get along with. And really supportive um, as a touring front of house engineer or production manager, we we really rely on on our network. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like the absolute perfect role for you, I must say. Um, so, if we take it back a little bit to before your time at JBL, so what was your first big break as a front of house engineer? <sighs> well, it's been a while now. Um, I, I did start in clubs. Um, I wasn't classically trained in audio um, when I was a student in college at Arizona State University, I was, I guess the very first break break was I got an internship at my favorite rock club in Tempe, Arizona, which is right um, in the same area as Arizona State University. And that's where I, I, I had zero experience. I knew nothing. I knew literally nothing other than I loved music and shows and being around it. And I was, I was fortunate enough to just be in the right place at the right time, which is kind of seems to be the way it always works in this industry is 
I, uh, I met someone who was the stage manager at, a, at my favorite venue and he said they were looking for an intern. And I, I went to my first day there and never looked back. And I spent every single waking minute outside of my schooling to be able to be on site and just be a sponge and, you know, to jump forward, um, into how I got into the touring aspect of it, being on site at a, at a music venue, especially clubs, this, in this case, it was a 600 capacity club. So you get so much exposure to every walk of life in the industry. And when you're the on-site contact, as well as the lead audio engineer, many times it's just you doing monitors from front of house. You're kind of the person that has to do everything. And I always took it upon myself to try to make everyone feel like they were the most important people in the world, meaning the front of house engineers that were coming in on tour, the bands that if they didn't have a front of house engineer, that would be me. So I needed to show that, hey, I'm going to take care of you guys. And I really put an emphasis on wanting to prove that when you're coming to this venue and I'm here, you're going to be taken care of. And I think I've kind of applied that throughout my career of if I'm going to be working with you, you're going to get 100%. I realized after meeting and networking with so many of the front of house engineers and tour managers that would come to the venue that man, this touring life just sounds so fun. And I want to, you know, I want to mix on big systems. I want to get out there and, and I already would get this adrenaline from mixing shows, uh, even at a smaller club. And the idea of doing it for a larger band with a huge audience, it really just inspired me. And I would, or I started to extend an offer to all the, the touring bands that would come through that I connected with and things felt good. I had a good time mixing with for them. And I said, you know, I said, Hey, if you guys ever get to the point where, you know, budget wise, if you can support having a touring engineer with you, I would love for, to be considered. And, and since I was also doing production management for these venues, meaning advancing the shows, coordinating all the details of the day of show aspects, not just sound check and the audio and how many monitors they need is really everything logistically down to hospitality and runners and general scheduling logistics, settling the show financially, hiring loaders, all those aspects of a ghost into a show. I was the one-stop shop for them. So it, it made it easier for me to say, Hey, I can tour manage you guys. I can production manage you guys as well as do sound. I got a few opportunities to mix some smaller, um, smaller indie rock bands on tour. And some of my friends were in bands. So they gave me a chance to come out and mix some of their smaller shows. But the first real big break, I would say in terms of breaking into more of the mainstream touring was um, my mentor named my mentor, his name is Matt Lawrence. And he uh, he's, he's an amazing front of house engineer. And he was the head guy at the at the club that I started at. And he was mixing front of house for the group called Fifth Harmony. Um, they're a girl group, pop. Um, that's where Camila Cabello came from. And they needed a monitor engineer. And I had just recently been doing monitors for Gerard Way, who was the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. So I'd been working in, in with very smaller indie rock bands that didn't have as much notoriety and it was something that i as a touring person you need to you need to kind of get a few names on your resume that at least the management that are reviewing your resume or the tours that are that are considering you or whoever's hiring for that tour are, are considering you it i needed to keep building a resume that showed that hey i've done shows with quality artists and that are on a higher scale and so as soon as i did those two tours gerard way 
and then going into doing monitors for Fifth Harmony. Although I'd already been doing front of house for smaller artists, these opportunities and doing monitor engineering is what gave me the foot in the door to network with major audio companies like Claire Global, Eighth Day Sound, Sound Image, Clearwing. When you start to do larger shows, you're starting to do bigger festivals, you're going to start need carrying, you're going to need to start carrying your own production. And in these cases, it was carrying control systems, meaning carrying my own console, my own wireless systems, all the microphones, all the cabling in between. And so your network just starts to expand and expand. And once I was able to get those a uh, few of those larger, higher scale tours under my belt, I was given, uh, I was recommended to do front of house and production manage for a young artist at the time named Troy Savon, who is, who was at the time, uh, breaking away from being just a, a YouTuber to becoming a, a pop artist. And so I got into the ground floor with him as his everything person on tour. And it just exploded from there. He, he ended up going from doing small rock clubs to stadiums at times. We were doing the Olympic Stadium in South Korea. Uh, two nights in a row sold out in Shanghai at the Mercedes-Benz Arena. Um, and these are just opportunities that all came up from me being open and excited for new opportunities. So that those were like the real key components of where I kind of broke into the larger scale of touring. And then from there, I was able to get some bigger tours as well, or, you know, keep building off that and start working with more pop artists and larger um, bands that in the monitor capacity as well. So, you know, I love audio. So whatever the, the, the job that was asked of me to do, it's just a matter of fitting it into my schedule at that point. And, and I was able to fortunately get a, a few larger tours under my belt. And then it led me to where I eventually was ending up right before coming to Harmon, which I was mixing front of house for the kid Leroy. And uh, he's currently killing it right now. He had a huge hit with Justin Bieber called stay a couple of years ago. And, um, we had to do a bunch of makeup shows for, um, due to COVID. So I jumped on that tour and it was just, it was just nonstop relentless. And it just kept giving me all those things that I had been mentioning before as a younger engineer of wanting to do these big shows, these high pressure gigs with all the people around. And it's exactly where I ended up. And, um, so yeah, that's how I got there. This it's and that's kind of what what has led me to being with with Harmon now is just keep building those opportunities, keep getting myself out there, and keep exposing myself to new opportunities to showcase what I can do as a front of house or monitor engineer or production manager, and um, and do it in in, in front of the, the people that uh, that are able to make those decisions about hiring and things like that. And you mentioned the kid Leroy, Fifth Harmony. You've certainly worked with artists from a variety of genres. So um, I'm curious, from an engineering perspective, are there certain techniques that apply to all styles? Do you have to adapt your front of house work for different kinds of music? How does that work for you? I definitely have to adapt all the time. I mean, as an engineer, I think we all kind of have our little tricks that we come to rely on in general, but you're always having to adapt always there's no situation where you're like okay there's one size fits all approach to mixing it's just never the case um so for for being able to span all these genres your mixing style specifically front of, in terms of mixing front of house it it, it really varies some artists are going to want you to have 
or some genres and artists, depending on, on the style and what the, the demographic is for those shows are going to need you to have a little bit more nuance to the way that you approach your mixing. And, you know, for instance, if I was mixing, you know, a pop artist, I would be, I would make sure that the vocals are at a level where it's crystal clear that there's no, there's no buried vocal. There's nothing that's going to hinder the audience from singing along to these songs that they know so well. You don't need things to sound exactly like the record because, you know, people can just listen to the record. But, and so, but you need to have that, that, that vocal quality at a point where there's no mistaking anything and you could tell it's live. You can tell it's real and that it's authentic. But at the same time, the, the, the best part about live sound is that you get to add those dynamics of the drums, of the guitars, all the other instruments that you can make them have the impact in a large deployment that you don't get from just playing the music through a an MP3 or iPod or, you know, playing back the actual music through a big system as fun as that is. There's no replication of having that kick drum thump in you. It's something that I always have to to, to measure in terms of, okay, is this show going to be all track and just vocal and, and then like just kind of layer the drums and, and the other instruments, guitar, bass and keys and synths? Or am I going to kind of layer those under and let the actual record content take over the majority of this? Or am I going to make this as um, organic as possible where there's no frills, there's no track, or if there is track, it's going to be subtle you know, I've worked with uh, with artists that have been a little bit more just band forward, and that's and that's th that's the approach that you take. You want to let what they're doing on stage really shine. Versus, you know, at the end of the day, at a, at this at at larger scales of touring, everyone is using click tracks and time coded sets, meaning that everything is kind of pre coordinated, all rehearsed. Everything is as buttoned up and uniform as possible to make everything as consistent as possible. And then there's some artists that just really just rely on a click and that's, and, that, and then the rest is, is just what you get on stage. It's always um, interesting to hear about roles in the company, especially with someone with your live sound background. So what does your role entail at JBL? My role at JBL entails a, a variety of things, a wearer of many hats. Um, one thing that I do at JBL and Harmon is pre and post sales support, meaning that when we have existing or prospective buyers of VTX systems and um, VRAC systems, which are the systems that um, are the amplifier systems that are made specifically to be used with VTX speaker products, um, we are providing the sales team with technical support in the sense of if a, if a club or a or any size venue or a promoter of a festival or someone who's looking into deploying a system or has just purchased a system and they want to get um, specific guidance on how the best way to design it for the best deployment of that system. That's what they will rely on the production application support specialist for. Okay. So as we know as well, you can have the best technology and everything go to plan, but sometimes life does have other plans. So I'd be really curious to know in your experience as a front of house engineer, have you ever had anything go really wrong or everything that you just couldn't account for? Absolutely. Unfortunately, that happens to the best of us. Uh, there's always, uh, there's always situations where 
you know, a gear just fails or there's, there's something that is, um, there's, there's so many components to concerts that can hinder the ability for it to be exactly what was envisioned. And there's been times where, yeah, I've been, as a front of house engineer, we use a lot of tools that are outside of just the console itself. You know, we have a lot of lines of communication and data and technology that are converting audio to analog to digital and then sending it to an insert of effects or compressors or any type of outboard equipment and then back into the console and then all the way down 300 feet of snake down to your stage rack and then to the PA system. There's a lot of points of failure that can happen there. And yeah, there's been opportunities for me to <laughs> um, have to really earn my paycheck on certain days. And, um, you know, one thing, I guess the one, one thing that come that came to mind would be um, I was doing a, I was on a tour doing a lot of sheds, um, amphitheaters, and I had a, um, my outboard rack at the time I was using a digital audio workstation um, to host a lot of plugins. And, and unfortunately I didn't have a redundant backup unit in case one goes down. And that was a hard lesson to learn <laughs> um, because we were out in the sun all day long, the gear is just getting just beamed on all day. And, um, you know, it's something that, that actually happened yesterday at Coachella. Um, you know, thankfully we we were able to catch it in time, but, um, one of the artists, it, basically what happened, I'll, I'll finish my, my, my thing, but essentially we always have to have backup, backup, uh, backup workout or backup scenarios to, um, be able to fight against the issues that could, could arise. So in the instance that my digital audio workstation that was hosting all these plugins, um, when that failed, all of a sudden the entire show went completely silent. And when you're doing a headlining show in front of 10,000 people and all of a sudden the artist, while the artist is still performing a song and then it just goes mute after being around 100 dB to zero is extremely jarring. It's unnerving. You get this blast of adrenaline that of, oh my God, what is going on? And you have to immediately assess what it could possibly be as fast as humanly possible to get things back up and running. And in this case, I realized that my hardware unit that was hosting plugins had failed. And so knowing that this is something that was possible, I built in what's called a macro on my console to immediately bypass these inserts. And so as soon as I bypass it, there, all the audio comes rushing back, but you still don't get to have that five seconds, which seems like an eternity back to where you can have your show again. And then mind you, I'm bypassing all these things that help build my mix to what it was in an ideal scenario when things are all working. And so all of a sudden you're having to recraft a mix without these tools to make things shine and sparkle. Um, so that those are situations where you, you know, I learned the hard way. I was like, I need to have a redundant unit. I, I can't just have one bypass because that short changes the audience on my mix. Whereas things were nice and polished. And then all of a sudden 
where that perfect vocal compression go that had everything sitting right in that pocket on top of everything else. So it's always about having contingencies, you know, and, and thankfully we did in both of those scenarios. Yeah. You, like that five seconds of, of muted audio and that concert made me feel like I was going to die for a minute. But at the end of the day, that didn't make anybody have a bad night. Well, fingers crossed, no power cuts next weekend. Right? <laughs> How did the JBL lineries make your job and that of the front of house engineer in um, a concert atmosphere like this being outside easier? It makes it a lot easier in the sense that that there's no there's nothing that's going to be new to these art to, to these touring engineers that are coming in on those stages. And in, in terms of the way that the system is sound sounds naturally in the way it's deployed. And so there's there's so we wanted to make it as consistent and agnostic for them to come in and do whatever they need to do with their mix and not have to work hard to rewrite everything they were just doing from the last show. Um, and then from this from the technical standpoint of the actual boots on the ground crew that's flying it up and rigging it and taking measurements and stuff. JBL and VTX prides itself on being one of the most easily deployable systems on the market. Our rigging systems, the way that the system is voiced, the way that we're able to circuit multiple boxes together and have the amplifiers all network together in a way that's easily controllable, immensely easier for us on a time crunch to be able to go and deploy a system like that. All of the presets and all the specific nuances that a crown system is going to be able to do specifically for VTX. All, all across the board, various manufacturers have dealt with refining how to make things go up and down as quick and seamlessly as possible. If you're spending all day long floating a PA or floating of uh, uh, the rigging system just to be able to hopefully pin it in properly and have a bunch of guys, you know, wrestling with the system and banging it to get in and out, uh, you know, the pins in and out, you know, that, that's, un that's unneeded wasted time, especially when you're dealing with local hands and stage people that don't have experience with that system. You have to make things as easily optimizable as possible. And that's what, and that, that, that's what JBL has done with the VTX A series is that it is as simple and smart and intuitive as you could possibly be when it comes to rigging and deploying. If you've ever flown any, any VTX system, once you've done it once, you know how to do it. And, and the great thing about it is that it goes, it, it's the same product, just different form, uh, in terms of size. It's the same products, same systems. If you know how to do an A12, you know how to do an A8, you know how to do an A6. It's the same system. And for, for us, that's that's a huge win um, when we're actually the boots on the ground kind of people really going out there and doing it. We don't want to be spending time uh, just dealing with manual labor of flying it. It goes up and down so easily. They've designed the product to, to come in on carts that are in a, in already in a position where you can set your angles before it even goes up in the air. And it's all of that is done in the control software, line, line array calculator, and then you're able to scan a QR code, which gives you all the actual points on your on your cell phone uh, with our ArrayLink app. There's so many different things that JBL did to refine the process of deploying a concert system. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to join us today yeah. for this podcast. It's been such a pleasure. I'm going to let you get on with your day and I hope to speak to you again sometime. Thanks for having me, Alice. Thank you. Bye. All right. 
Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.